I have a tendency of packing them along. <laughs> that backpack gets heavy, right? All right. I think uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to uh, the letter of First Peter. First Peter. And uh, I'm not sure where we'll end up today, but I think this would be a good place to start. First Peter chapter 1, and uh, I think we'll read through uh, the first 16 verses, I believe. First Peter chapter 1, beginning now at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia, Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. May God add a special blessing to reading of his word. And once again, let us just pause for prayer. Father God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the integrity of it and the foundation spoken, written to us by a sovereign God. Father, you want us to know more, of, more about you. You want us to know you intimately, relationally. Father, today, may those be things that happen as a result of your word going out. We would ask that you'd guide our thoughts, that you'd have all of us, and that our teacher today exclusively would be the Holy Spirit. We thank you again for those that have gathered here today. Meet their needs, Father. Allow them to become closer to you. And we thank you for what you'll accomplish now today and beyond, in Christ's name, amen. Well, as we uh, 
or ending in 2019, one of the things that I've heard repeatedly, especially those in, in agriculture, which I share a career field with many, one thing that I hear almost anyone that's in agriculture is, I can't wait for 2019 to go away because 2020 has to be better. I hope it's better, right? I've heard that on a number of occasions. And I'll be honest, 2020, I'm hoping, be careful I'm going to use that word because that's what we're going to talk about today, that it's better. And if I was going to ask most of you here to raise your hand if 2019 was a rascal, you'd probably raise your hand. It's been trying, hasn't it? There's been some things, there's been just from almost at every level, right? I mean, our world is crazy right now. And if you say it's not, and you haven't listened to news lately, for sure, and again, I, I, I had a, a, my phone throws news at me, even when I'm not really interested. But uh, I was studying, it was about 2 o'clock, and apparently there was a church shooting in Texas today. I don't know anything about it other than to know that several number of casualties, and someone just with a gun walked into the church and started shooting people. I, I did see that as well, yeah. At, oh, at a, uh, at a Hanukkah celebration in New York, yeah. yeah. And again, I don't know the... But, but again, you, do, you, do you see the upheaval and the struggles that are going on in our world? And we throw that word hope out there, don't we? I hope this, I hope that. Now in America, the way we use hope isn't really the way the Bible uses hope, which I'm really glad to say. So today I'm thinking as we're crossing into a, a new year, just a few days away from it, it's with a great deal of hope in the Lord that we're ready to go forward. Whatever comes at us, our hope is fixed. In fact, we're going to look at a number of passages today about a godly hope and to be living in hope. There are a lot of people today that, quite honestly, have no hope. And maybe somewhere in your past, you've been in a, in maybe just a situation, and you've lost hope. That's a very vulnerable place to be. When you're without hope, I don't even have word, right? There's nothing left. The hope that is, that is within you. Uh, the scripture is going to say quite a bit. So let's, uh, let's get ready with your Bibles. And uh, literally, the hope to a Christian should be his attitude toward the future. And it should be living. In fact, uh, if, while you're, if you still have your Bibles open to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, in verse 3, he, Peter comes right out of the box. And again, I would, I would like to, before we do that, uh, let, let's just rehearse a little bit about Peter. What do you know about Peter, the guy that wrote this book? Now, the Holy Spirit inspired him, and we know that that the, that, that the Spirit spoke through him, but he's the one that penned the words. It was from his personality that God used to put those letters on the page. Talk to me about Peter for a second. What do you know about him? Excuse me? He did love the Lord. Yes, he did. What else could we say about him? That's right. Thanks. Wade, thanks for, 
Thanks for mentioning that. You know, it's the other 11 disciples. You know, they didn't even get out of the boat. Now, we're, we're prone. Isn't it amazing? The faith that he exhibited by jumping out of the boat and where, where were his eyes, this is really key. This is going to be the key for you in the 2020 year. Just bringing that thought to me right now, which is right there. You know what? If we don't have our eyes on Jesus, we're going to miss the boat. Well, that was good, wasn't it? It wasn't for me, obviously. That was pretty good. Missed the boat. Well, anyway, Peter, though, he got out of the boat and reacted by looking at Jesus. And he says, ask me to come unto you. And you know what? If he would have kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have walked right out to him on the water. Where did his problems come in? That's exactly right. His eyes came off and he looked and he heard. and he went, I can't do this. You're exactly right and you couldn't. Then he starts thinking, but he's really good. What did he say? Help me. <laughs> I can't tell you how many nights, even this year, that I've gotten up and I've just said, God, help me. I don't know what to do next. Help me. <laughs> and God's there. He's right there. He's right beside you. If you've trusted him as a Savior, you can't even get away from him. And that's a good thing. Isn't it good? It's a great thing. Peter, what else could we say about him? Yes. Even though he denied Christ three times, that's right. That's right. And that's the real, it, Peter is probably one of the best examples for the forgiveness that our Savior offers. He didn't set him aside. You know, three times and you're out, you know that three strikes and you're out business, right? You've heard that? Okay, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Peter would have been in deep trouble. <laughs> he was about 10 or 15 strikes in at this point, right? And it was amazing. Do you, you kind of see this pride that had a hold of him for a while? As he was, you know, he was under Jesus' wing, but Jesus that night, he said, tonight you will be scattered. Oh, no, oh, no, not me. I'm with you to the end. I will die with you, Jesus. And Jesus said, uh, before the cock crows in the morning, watch, you will have denied me three times. Oh, not me, right? But it's amazing, that same man, and I love how Jesus did. There's, in fact, do you mind if we go there? I'm going to digress for just a second. It's not anywhere in my notes, but I'm just thinking of, of this. This may have been one of the things that made Peter even more solid as a rock when to know that his Savior prayed for him. But this is also something after his resurrection. I'm going to have to dig a little bit, but let's go to the book of John because I think that's where we'll find it. John, and I'm going to look around. I may have to dig a little bit. We're going to do it, though. I apologize for anyone that's waiting on me. Because I didn't write it down, but what I'm looking for is where, maybe it's not in John. Okay. We'll find it. Find the resurrection, and then one of the gospel accounts tells us that they were to go and tell the disciples, and Peter. You remember where that's at? I thought it was John, but I'm missing it. Anybody find Whoever finds it, just let me know. Oh, good grief. Where's that at? I'll tell you what. I'm going to move on, but I want to come back to that because I think that also... Let's keep talking about Peter. I, I'm going to have to stop looking because I can't, I can't do two things at once. You already know that of me. But keep looking at it because there's a verse in one of the Gospels. It's either in John tw- 20... Uh, like Luke chapter, you know, you get it. Just find the resurrection. And, and what it's going to say, but we want to find it in your Bible, and, and I'm going to find it in mine again, is the fact of this, that, that after Jesus had risen, they said, go tell the disciples and Peter. 
because he knew Peter would be so depressed because he had denied Jesus three times and the three strike and you're out. And he must have said, oh, my goodness sakes, I can't believe I did. Have you ever been there where you said, I cannot believe I did that? Nobody's raising your hand. You're all liars because it's happened, hasn't it? It has happened where we said, I cannot believe I've done that. And that's okay. I, I'm with you right there. I'll raise my hand for all of us. But you know what? God is so good. He wants to continue to just, hey, hey, Larry, you're okay. Come on, come on, come on. Come on with me, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. Let's go together. Come on, I'm with you. But this time, don't forget that I'm with you. It's when we're by our loners, isn't it? We're all by ourselves. We do really stupid stuff. Peter was like that, wasn't he? He was kind of a charge ahead, insert foot in mouth, right? What about, what else about Peter? Anything? Nobody's found that yet, huh? Tricky passage. Which one? In John? Well, so it's right under my nose, right? Is that the deal? Oh, I do that all the time. So we're going to go to John chapter 20 and verse 2. So it was right in front of my nose, huh? There we go. Uh, let's see. Let's start in John chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, early when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, seeing the stone taketh away the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. There's, a de- there's one more verse somewhere that says, He said to one of the ladies, Go tell the disciples and Peter. Okay, somewhere it's there. Keep looking. This is good. I got you guys digging in now, right? I like it. See, this is good stuff. Uh, I apologize for not knowing, but it just, we got to find that now. See, now, I, I can't stand it now. You will not leave this building until someone finds it. Is that a pressure? Is that some pressure? Not enough yet. Okay, very good. We'll keep going. Mark, chapter 16. Let's go there. That's it. That's it. So, let, same passage, but here we go. Now, again, I want you, uh, let's, slip into, let's slip into Peter's shoes for a moment, Okay. He's denied Jesus. He's watched him from a distance. To- he ran through a bunch of trials, all of them illegal, and he's totally let him down. And then he's denying he knows him. He actually swears off as being not related to him in any way, shape, or form. And then Jesus is crucified. He's buried. He's, or he's dead and he's buried. And what do you think Peter is doing right now? Oh, he was probably, I'm going to say he was like six foot. He's about four foot one right now and shrinking. Are you there with him? Couldn't get far enough away, correct? And in one of the Gospels, it says that the last time he denied him, Jesus turned and looked at him. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever had where the eyes drilled through you? You're dead. Yeah. Uh, and it said that Peter went out and wept bitterly. I would, too. I can't. you right. And you've probably done. You've let. I can't believe. You know what? But Jesus is that forgiver. He's that forgiver. And I was going to tell you something else right now, and I've just forgotten that. So we'll just keep moving along like it never happened, right? <laughs> Peter. Oh, that we were going to read, weren't we? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Uh, chapter, th- that's where he's at. Chapter 16 and verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said amongst themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Now, you know, I got to stop for a second. Don't you love those ladies? 
Do you know what their chances were of getting that rock rolled away? And if you haven't, it's like a big stone and it's in a track. And they would have just a little rock that would hold it from rolling in. And once that baby rolled in, it was on an incline and would go in. And you know what? They took off of the spikes and said, I don't, we don't care. We're going to do what we wanted, what, we're, what we've been called to do. But on the way, they're saying, who's going to roll the rock away? But they didn't stop. You see, that's what I love about Now, is that hope? Well, sure it is. They've been called to do something, and God's going to take care of the impossible. Now, think of that. It would be impossible for those two little gals, or if it was three gals, that's okay. I'm not saying they're weak, but you're talking about a big project. And why did they do that? Because they didn't want to be stealing the body. That's why it was on an incline. It was a big rock, not a little rock. Is the fact that they didn't want anybody messing around there. And look what happens. Here we go. When they looked, verse 4, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Entering in the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, and they were afraid. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Oh, my goodness. I mean, could you even take that in? When's the last time you went to a grave and they said he's not here because he's risen? Exactly. What? <laughs> and, and again, was the, was the stone rolled away for Jesus to get out? No, he was gone. He was gone. The stone was rolled away so they'd see he wasn't in there. Because one of, there was a, I'm going di- to digress for just a second. There's a, a man out of Canada. I've got his name. I'll find it in my notes here. And, and he had two questions. He was a scientist from Canada. And I've got, I know I've got it written down here. Here we go. Uh, G.B. Hardy. Don't know him personally, but I was reading about him today. And he had two questions in, re- in regards to religion are really the sense of what can I have hope in? Because today, each and every one of you here in this place have hope in something. The question is, is it the real hope, the good hope, God's hope, the only hope that really can get you through? Any other hope is just, it's not enough. He said this. He said, I want to know, has anybody conquered death? Well, that's, a, that's a good one, isn't it? And then the second one was, did he make a way for me to get through it. Those are two awesome questions. And he did some research, and, and so he went to Buddha's tomb. Guess who was in there? Buddha. And I'm going to add now, uh, he went to Muhammad's grave, and Muhammad was in there. And if you were going to find Hare Krishna, you'd find he's in there. If you were a follower of Jim Jones, the one that was down in uh, South America, that, that what was the name of that gateway? What was it? Jonestown. There was, he had some kind of a gateway called to whatever he called it, right? I think. It, but was it? That was somebody else. Oh, I'll bet he's in the tomb too. That's somebody else, right? My point is all of this. Every one of those that supposedly was going to take us to wherever we needed to be, where our hope was in them, have hope in me, they're still there. Those are big strikes. Those are really big strikes. Really cool thing. Nobody can present the bones of Jesus. Show me them bones. There ain't no bones. He's in heaven. See, that's a really big deal. And then, not just for him to have resurrected, he allowed a way for us to go the same way. Isn't that something? And it's all part of salvation. In fact, the hope in Jesus Christ, literally, you have You have had faith in Christ to trust him to become saved, justified. And that is, positionally, you have been broken from the penalty of sin. 
Today, as you're in that position and you're walking forward, and sometimes it's kind of like Peter. It's three steps forward oh, and a couple back, right? That back stuff. And then you just keep going, though. And you know what? That's called sanctification. And literally, the Holy Spirit is breaking the power of sin. And one day, our hope, which we'll be talking about, our hope is in heaven. That's the day of which that bright, glorious, fantastic event is when we are out of the presence of sin forever. So our past, our present, and our future all tied up into grace. Remember that we spent numbers of weeks talking about grace. You're saved by grace. You live by grace. You're disciplined by grace. You know what? We're even having to hope in the grace to come. We'll be looking at that in just a second. I'm telling you, isn't it something? And it's all rooted, it's all rooted in the work that Jesus did. Now, if you're hoping in anything other than Jesus, I'm here to say it's bad news for you. Stop it, because it's hopeless to have hope in anything other than Jesus Christ. Well, I'm too animated today, but this is powerful stuff, isn't it? We've got to get this right. It reminds me of, you know, if you've got reservations, I want to make sure my reservations to heaven are to heaven, right? I don't want it anywhere else. I was thinking this, this afternoon, uh, you know how sometimes you're looking for those little things that you can hang on to and it makes it a little clearer? The only thing I could come up with was I was flying a number of years ago and Lisa made uh, uh, hotel arrangements for me and I flew into Lincoln, Nebraska. My plane was delayed and I get in at midnight, okay? So, it, you know, have you ever been in, the, in that little, it's, that's got a fairly small airport and, and you get in and everybody has a place to go, Right? They know where they're going. They've made reservations. They have connections. They have people that have come for them. And I had a phone number. And, and I, think, I think this is, I may be wrong, but there's two area codes in, in Nebraska. One of them is 402 and one of them is 308. And I'm not sure which one it was, but I remember, I know them both. And I remember looking at this number. And it was not either one of those. But that's my number. Well, somewhere, I don't know where, it doesn't even matter, but somewhere in all of this thing where we made connections and we made this reservation for a motel, it was the wrong city, it was the wrong state, it was the wrong country. (laughs) And I still remember calling that number, and there was an accent that I did not recognize. And I said, could you come down and pick me up at the airport? I'm on... And they said, what flight number? We actually have someone down there right now at the airport. I said, there's no one here. (laughs) Because there wasn't. I was the last dog to be hung there, right? And I'm just looking for a place to get out of there. And, And, you know, as we talked, I got the wrong place. Someone's down at another airport, as I recall, was in Nova Scotia. That's a long commute. (laughs) But I remember, you know how you're just sinks, right? This isn't looking good. And I'm sure I woke up poor Lisa because you know, I said, Lisa, what's, you know, nobody knows. So I struggled for a little bit to find some place to stay, okay? And the end of that story is it's no problem. But I want to tell you something. You need to make sure your reservations are to heaven. Don't miss those. Don't miss those because you can't get them when you're on your way you got to get it squared away, right? And that's really what the right hope is. A lively hope, as it said, we've read it in, in 1 Peter. Now, I still haven't read the verse because Peter, he doesn't have a lot of hope right now. He's lost his hope, right? 
He's denied Jesus. He's walked with him for three years. I'm under his ministry. It's been fantastic. And then he died. He's dead. And that's all Peter knows. I want to, this is so good. Here's this, here's this angel, this young man, which was, and they're, they're afraid of him. And he says this. This is what he says. Verse 7. Uh, go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. That was for Peter's sake. In fact, don't just stop, because I, you know what that tells me? That Pete says that Peter probably wasn't with the disciples any longer. He had given up. He said, they will hate me as well. I got nothing. And you know what? You've, you've seen that look. He's depressed. He's got to be. And that angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter. How many times have I been encouraged when that nudge from the Holy Spirit, as you read the word and you, and you have to continue to just immerse yourself in the word of God. Continue to take the Bible because that's what the Holy Spirit uses to cleanse you, to purify you, to give you hope. And sometimes just that little, hey, Larry, I'm right here with you. It's okay. You ever had those? I'm not, not audible voice. You know what? But the words, the words of the scripture, I am with you now. I'm right here. I love you. I mean, whoa, right? That was grace right there. Giving, giving Peter hope. Ultimately, now that was totally, I, I don't even know where that came from, but it, I think it's good because it's right where we need to be. Let's go back to Peter, first Peter, because we haven't even started. You know, this could be a long series, actually. First Peter chapter one. And uh, think of this. That's who Peter was. That's how Jesus. And we could go on for you could go to John chapter 21. In fact, that'd be good. That's good uh, assignment for you tonight. Go to John chapter 21. And Jesus is one on one with Peter. One on one with Peter. Telling him a lot of stuff. I'm going to leave it. I'll leave it for you. John chapter 20. Write it down in your notes. You need to read that. Watch Peter and, and Jesus conversing. But again, let's go to uh, verse 3, chapter 1 of First Peter. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a, did you see it? A lively hope. Not a dead hope. Not a so-so hope. Not a hope-so hope. Have you ever had a hope-so hope? I hope I'm hoping right. Oh, man, those are so yay, 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 right? There's nothing going on there. You got a hope so hope today? Throw it away. Get a lively hope. One that's woke up, one that's ready to go. Right? That's what I'm telling you. You're coming around. You're coming around. But look at, let's keep going. Because according to that mercy, his abundant mercy, not just a little tiny bit, but out of his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I mean, that's, we could just be in these two verses and it just pumped me up. Unbelievable, right? If I'm too loud, I'm so sorry. We've got earplugs here somewhere, right? Just put them in and I can still get through here, right? Because it's so important that you get this. A lively hope based in Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. And then there's an undefiled, incorruptible inheritance in heaven reserved for you. It's got your name on it. And you say, well, what if I don't get there? You know what? If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you put your faith. Now, I, let, let's talk about that for just a second. I'll get back here. Remember to remind me if I get too far off track. 
about inheritance reserved for you. Okay, just if you say that, I'll be right there. But let's talk about for a moment the sense of, oh, the difference. Tell me the difference between faith and trust. Oh, the faith, I'm sorry, now I'm going too fast. My head is just swimming with stuff that I want to bring to you, right? <laughs> tell, me, tell me the difference between faith and hope. Faith and hope. Okay, tell me the difference. Faith is, okay, knowing based on, I really, did you, what Cindy just said is really big because a faith in Jesus Christ, a faith is really knowing because it's based upon what he's accomplished. What he said would happen, happened. Isn't that cool? He said he was going to send the Messiah. He said he was going to send Jesus. And guess what he did? He did. And not only that, he rose from the dead just like God said. I'm, a, I'm in. I'm in. That scientist from Canada, I, never, I don't know which side of the fence he's on right now, but if he checks out Jesus, he'll find out that he did conquer death and he made a way for him to escape it himself. Whoa. That, and that is, it, really, the way Cindy says really good because it's not just, you know, I was, gonna, I was looking for trusting, in other words, believing, but it's trusting as if you knew because it's fact. It's based on fact. And faith is what we're... What we trust God with in our, in our past and our present, correct? You have faith because of what God said would happen, and it has. Hope, believe this or not, they're very closely related. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, there is faith, I'm leading the witness, hope and love, or charity. The greatest of these is charity. Did you see that? That's the big three. Now, you've probably heard a message or two on faith. You've probably heard a message or two on love. How many of you hear messages on hope? Not as many as we need. Because hope is trusting God for the future. Just as is with reality. It ha we haven't arrived there, but it's just as clear, just as concise, just as fixed. That, that's what I want you to get. A fixed reality that is just to be revealed yet. Because it's fixed in God. If your hope is in anything else, it'll fall short. It will fall short. If you're trusting in yourself, you'll be only as strong as you are. And there will be limitations. If you don't put your trust, literally, in God, there is nothing else out there that can even come close to competing. He is the answer. So, faith is trusting God for the present. Hope is trusting God for the future. Faith accepts. Hope expects. I'm expecting one day because of the, the hope that is within me, of that God has placed within me through the Holy Spirit, is that I expect to go to heaven. I expect to see my Savior because it's rooted in the Word of God. It's not something I made up. Now, have you been around somebody that just makes stuff up? Uh-huh. Do they, right? And, and when you ask, well, why, how do you say that? In other words, if, I was, if someone came in, you said, what? You said, Jesus rose from the dead? Oh, yeah, sure, right. What would you say to them? Well, yeah. Because why? Because I said it? Because you said it? Because someone, no. We could, in fact, let's go. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's just go there. Hold your place in 1 Peter. We'll be back. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 3. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Uh, Paul's speaking to that church in Corinth, and he says, For I, Paul, delivered unto you, first of all, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 3, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Ah, that's cool. In other words, it was spoken of, he did it, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It's exactly what the Scriptures said. And watch, it's even better than that. And that he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Now, I want to say, well, that's way back then. I mean, who would know? I'm going to tell you right now. When that letter was written, and he said most of those 500 are still living, he took a huge shot to say, well, they won't say anything, even though they didn't see him. Of course they would. There would be a rebuttal. In fact, one of the things that I think is just over the top in the sense of evidence, is the Jewish leaders, the Roman, uh, the Roman not prisoners, the government, um, help me, help me, help me, soldiers, everybody said that they stole Jesus' body. That's why it's not in the tomb, right? Okay. Well, somebody's got it. Right? Where is it? Right? Well, the disciples took it. Okay, well, let's, let's go down that trail for a second. So the disciples took it, all right? You know why I'm really confident that they didn't take it? Because would you as a disciple, let's say, you're, let's say you're Peter right now. Let's say Jesus didn't appear. You just made it up. You just fictitiously said, oh, yeah, I saw Jesus yesterday, and he talked to me. Sure he did, right? Okay, but you know what? I am not going to go to the end of my life. And then they're going to say, you have a choice. You have a choice to reject and deny Jesus Christ as being the Savior of the world and one that was resurrected. You can deny him one more time, right? That's kind of an inside joke to Peter. Or you can stand firm and be crucified. Well, let's see. I made all of that up. Hmm. I think I'm going to go ahead with the denial right now. That is not what happened. He chose to die for his Savior that rose again because that's the only significant sense of hope that he could have possibly had is if Jesus literally did what he said he did. See, that's huge to me. Their very actions at the end of their lives, all of those disciples died a martyr's death except for John who was actually, he was dropped into, they say, boiling oil that he lived. And he said, well, we can't kill him, so let's send him over there to Patmos and he can just do whatever he's going to do by himself without influencing anybody. He wrote the book of Right? It is so awesome. But all of those guys, they lived to their fullest, to the very end, and gave their life for him because he did raise from the dead. They saw him. That would do it for me. In fact, if we went further in this text, guess who else he appeared to? James. Who's James? Well, he's the one that wrote the book. Yeah, that guy. But what about James? Who was he in relationship to Jesus? He was a half-brother. He was the one that grew up in the same home with Jesus. In fact, it says that none of his family believed in him until, until they saw him raised from the dead. That'll get her done. That'll get her done. That's what's doing it for me. If I didn't know and have confidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I would not be standing in front of you today. I would have no reason to do it whatsoever because I'm the same guy, the same page as that guy from Canada, that scientist. Show me someone that conquered death. Because if you can't conquer death, I have no, I, I got, I'm, I could just want to play it myself. Nothing more to gain. 
Do you see? That's what our hope is based in. That's what it's guaranteed by is the very resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. Let's turn over to, uh, I'm, I'm just, you ever make stuff up as you go and your notes make no sense at this point? That's what we're doing right now. But no fear. Well, maybe you should have fear. Let's go to uh, verse 13, same chapter, 1 Peter. Or where did I leave you? Maybe I took, oh, I was in 1 Corinthians. Let's go back to 1 Peter for a moment. I want to take us to verse 13. Verse 13. Chapter 1, same chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Now, there's some language here that isn't something we probably use on the street today. Um, in other words, I, I, can't see, I can't see ourselves walking down the street going to the Napa store or into Walters, and you see a friend and you say, Wherefore, brother, gird up the loins of your mind. <laughs> and that was, you have a nice day. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> have any of you girded up the loins of your mind lately? <laughs> what, 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 what does that really mean, to gird up, gird up the loins of your mind? What, what, is a, what is to gird? What is it? To, to have a belt, right? Yeah, to cinch up. That's another way to say it, right? Now, think of it in a day and age in which these people, what, what they wore for garments. Their outer garment would have been a robe, if we were kind of flowing, and it would have been at, at almost, I'm going to say just ground level, Right? You know, they didn't go in and get jeans, uh, you know, like a 33, 36 or whatever, right? They just went in and got a, I don't know however you measure robes, but they'd get the full-grown ones, right? Okay? What would happen if you took off a sprint? Trip and trip and trip and trip, right? <laughs> you fall down because this thing is in your way, right? So, in fact, let, let, I'll get you, I'll get, let, let's just go to this for a second. Let's go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. And uh, like verse 11, let's start there. Take us back to way back to the Old Testament, obviously. But let's go and see where they were about to exit. Let's see, I gotta get to, I better go to Exodus first before I say any more. Exodus chapter 12, and it's where the Israelites are being, uh, during this Passover, the, the uh, directions for Passover. And he's telling them in what state they should be eating it, Okay. And I'm jumping in. I understand that. So this would be another good chapter for you to read because God is unfolding for them the whole Passover lamb thing, which interestingly enough, again, remember what John, hold, hold your thought. Just, just stay right there, but I want to take you to one more thing. Remember what we talked about in John 1 in our scripture reading today? It talked about John. Remember the, 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 uh, the John that was the forerunner? John the Baptist? In John, he said this. He sees Jesus for the first time. This is what he said. Behold... The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, any Jew would have known what that meant, that he would have been the Passover Lamb, the one that would literally have everyone else have believed in him to escape the pending death. Now, here we go. Back to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. Here we go. And thus shall you eat it. Now, he's speaking of the Passover and the meal. With your loins girded. Okay, do you see it? They girded their loins too. There, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. In other words, they're eating this meal ready to take off. Gird it up. So if you're girding up your mind, what does that mean? You have got it gathered and you are focused. You are focused. Not just, ay, 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 right? In fact, let me put it another way. 
the society and the culture and all the things going on in our world today. And, and we're engaged in society, aren't you? You, you have to earn a, a wage to make a living, and you're, you're plugged in here, and you do this, and you do that, and you're part of everything that's going on. But, in fact, I probably need to read the verse. We'll come back to it. and Just, just hold your thought there. Let's go back to 1 Peter. You still have your hand in there? Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Okay, here we go. Now we've learned about girding up the loins of your mind. and Being ready. Get ready with it. Be focused. Be clear. Then it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whoa. In other words, if you take it from the back working back, or from, from the way back working forwards, what are, what are, what's he really looking at? What are they really looking at? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which would be his second coming. The fact of the rejoining, the final culmination of our salvation. You know, you're, you're here. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the step one is that you were justified. You were made righteous before God positionally. You're, you've escaped the penalty of sin. And then from this day forward, you're going through sanctification. And that is literally the Holy Spirit breaking the power of sin in your life one step at a time. And then ultimately, that revealing of Jesus Christ coming back, that's when the whole thing gets complete. Because it says, even in the, the rapture, that snatching away, it speaks of in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, who's going to rise first? Jesus Christ, the trump will sound. Jesus Christ will come with those with him. And the dead will rise first. It's where they get their resurrected body. They said, well, how about those that are lost at sea? How about those that are cremated? How about those that were torn into bits? How about those that were blown up? It's a new body. If God can make it the first time, he can get her done the second time. Yeah. Right? right? He finishes the job. That's the culmination. In fact, did you see what we were supposed to have hope in? This is really cool. If you follow our grace series, you know, you're saved by grace. You're disciplined by grace. You live by grace. You're held by grace. Look at what you're supposed to have hope in. 1 Peter chapter 13. Gird up the mind, loans you of your mind. One quick thing. Be sober. What does that mean? Be sober. Be, be very disciplined. In other words, focus and stay focused. On what? Watch. And hope to the end. Watch. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus. Did you, what is your hope supposed to be in? Grace. Whoa. Do you see how important grace is to us? Now, again, I'm not saying that the hope is in, the, in the, the revealing of Jesus Christ, but the grace of that whole moment is really all entitled in the full package of salvation because that's the culmination of it. It's so beautiful, so rich, so powerful. Wow. Wow. Now, turn back to Colossians chapter 3 for a moment. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. This would be a verse that would coincide with this. What are you thinking about? I, and, and as you're turning there, don't, did I tell you what verse? I'm sorry. Forget what verse I told you. Just turn to Colossians. Hang out for a minute, okay? It's amazing to me how, how um, attached. Did you, did, you see the word, did you see the word sober in there? Okay. And, and it's almost like the world in which we find ourselves living. All of the entanglements, all of those things that are just trying to snatch our attention, all of those things that are trying to take our energies, we can actually become almost intoxicated by society itself. We can become addicted to the very life in which we find ourselves 
plucked it, or pl planted into. Now, how many times, I mean, what, what if, now here we go. Just, just, what if the phone rang? I can hear it now, actually. Hey, Larry, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I'm coming tomorrow to get you. What if that phone call came? <laughs> right about nine? That's exactly right. Let me check my calendar to see if I have an opening. Do you know how many people that that would be true of? Now, me, I'd say, can't we make it today? I'm ready to blow this pop stand. I want to get out of here because I want to be with you, Jesus. Right? But how many times we say, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to go someday, but right now I'm like, I got some stuff going on, right? Like maybe I'm building a new house. Maybe I got a new car I'm supposed to pick up. I mean, I got, I got stuff I got to do. I mean, I really appreciate the phone call. I mean, I really, really do. And, 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 but it's just not going to work into my schedule tomorrow. Not today. That's almost absurd, isn't it? That it's true. It's abs and that's what I want to be. That's one of the things we want to make sure of. Where is your hope then? Where is your hope? Because how you react to that tells me and tells you where your hope is. That's kind of a little bit, whoa, right? Now, where did I tell you to go in Colossians? Somebody, somebody remembered the two, though, didn't they? Yeah, it's a Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. We're going to start in verse 1, just so I'd make sure that you didn't know exactly where we're going. But verse 1, chapter 3 says this. If you then be risen with Christ, and what does that mean? If you're a Christian, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then you're risen with Him, and ultimately your lively hope is looking to the future, which is faith, trusting with the reality to come. That's called hope. He says, if you're one of those, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. And watch verse 2. Set your affection, set your love on things above, not on things on the earth. And see, that's when, when you say, well, Jesus, uh, yeah, I appreciate the offer. I'll get back to you. Well, would, where would your affections be? On earth. on earth, right? Our life displays really what we really believe, doesn't it? Yeah, our own lives are testimonies that reveal who and what we trust. Let's uh, turn the page. Let's go back. No, not literally turn the page, but let's go to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. I want to see hope in a little different uh, angle. We've, hope is not a wish. It's not a dream. It's not an illusion. It's reality. It's a fact that is not yet realized, promised by God. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 6. And look at this language that's used for us. We'll start in verse 18. Actually, let me see. Oh, we'll start in verse uh, 17. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in that which... In, I'm sorry, in which it was impossible for God to lie. I, I like that. I, I, I want to know that it's impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Watch verse 19. 
which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Do you see it? A beautiful picture of hope, both sure, fixed, and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Now, whoa, what's the veil thing going on? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 20. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And you say, there's too much stuff going on there. Okay? Now, Hebrews is a, it can be a very complex book, but this, what he's really saying, try to stay with me, I'll try to give you a picture. So what did we just find out about hope? It's described as a what? Just anchor. There we go. There we go. I always thought we'd have to go back and read it again. Anchor. Okay, what's an anchor for? Hold you very secure. You got a big ship. You got a big boat. You got, all, you got rough waters. What do you do? Throw an anchor down. Okay. Did you see that? Hope is an anchor. And it's fixed and steadfast. I love those two words. And then it says it's an anchor that really takes us through the veil, behind the veil, if you will. Now, a lot of Hebrews is talking about the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the superiority of him. In other words, he died once to become our high priest. And today he's sitting on high on the right hand of God. He is an advocate. He's a mediator. I'm telling you what, isn't that perfect? You have Jesus Christ, your advocate, your defense attorney. And Satan comes in and says in chapter 12 of Revelation that he's always coming to accuse the brother. You trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, he's going to bring stuff against you. Like Peter, for instance, when he denied him three times. Oh, what do you think Satan was doing? You loser. You loser, right? That's right. Go back to fishing. Give it up. You're a loser. You know what? And when you have that, those moments of failure, when you say, Jesus, I, I confess my sin. I've done wrong. Please restore me. And he will. First John chapter 1, verse 9. But the really cool thing, it's even more than that. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And when Satan brings this accusation, Larry is a loser. There's no other Larrys in here, is there? Okay, I want to make sure. Okay, this is for me personally. Larry's a loser. You know what Jesus says? I paid for that. It's paid in full. Right here it is. His, his account is paid in full. Paid in full. My grace is sufficient for him. Just like Paul said in Corinthians as well. Right? That is so good, isn't it? He's an advocate. He's a defense attorney. He's a mediator. He's there for us. He's sitting. He's alive. He's on top of everything. But this anchor in behind the veil. Well, one of the things that if you'd have known, especially for a Jewish audience, and this happened on the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. The very day, the very day he was crucified. They were getting ready for the Passover. Sabbath was a coming. Now, in the temple, you couldn't just walk in to where God was at. That was sacred. That was very, very holy. In fact, a priest couldn't even go in there except for one day out of the year. And he had to do it the right way. In fact, he wore bells and he had a rope around his foot. If he hadn't prepared himself adequately and the bells stopped ringing, you know, you can understand as he's moving, right? Jingle, jingle, jingle. No jingle. You okay? And nobody could go get him, right? Do you understand? This is the Holy of Holies. That's what they called it. The Holy of Holies. The tabernacle was there. Nobody got to go in there. 
And you know what happened to that veil on the day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when Jesus Christ was crucified and it was dark from noon to 3, which is blowing my mind. What do you mean it's dark at noon to 3? When Jesus said it's finished, it is finished. Something happened in that temple at that very moment. And that's exactly right. That veil is what exactly we're talking about. And that baby was about two feet thick. It wasn't a curtain, right? It wasn't a veil. When I think of veil, I'm thinking something kind of paper thin. This baby was thick. It was the real deal. They didn't want to change this thing out every week. They didn't want anybody to accidentally bump into it and get through it and be, whoop, you're gone. You're in the holiness of God. On that day, it split from the top to the bottom. Whoa! Why? Because... Excuse me? We have full access to God. Absolutely. We have full access. When Jesus Christ died, guess what? The payment was made in full forever. That is... I'm not even getting an amen. There we go. It's not one. When that baby was split, it was wide open. I can't imagine what those poor priests and high religious leaders would have thought about. We, we can't look in that. We can't... And it was done because Jesus Christ paid the penalty. Up until that moment, guess what? If you were a poor sheep or a goat, you had to be slain, and that blood was after the priest was made right. He would slip in behind the Holy Village with no one else there and sprinkle those drops of blood because sin required the cost of blood on the mercy seat on the tabernacle. And it was just a covering. Jesus paid for it. He paid for it. And that's what our hope is based in. But it's an anchor because it's literally, did you see it? Did you, catch the, did you get the, there we go, I'm getting there. Oh, too many, too many things. Did you see what it's done? Jesus Christ preceded us in the Holy of Holies, and we are tied by hope with an anchor that literally goes into the very Holy of Holies. Our hope is based in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I'm on fire today. I'm telling you what, this is so good. I can't believe the power of this. And that's what my hope's in. That's what my hope is in. Wow, an anchor links us to Jesus Christ, which literally places us in the very presence of God. That's why when we had our prayer time here, we're literally in the throne room of God. When you've trusted Christ as Savior, guess what? You're you're one-on-one with God. You can bring Him anything that's in your heart. He's right there. He's right there. Right there. I can't begin to tell you how many times that I've got on the phone and we're th- one, one of them was uh, just Kristen. There, she's in Hawaii. I'm here. So it's, it's Christmas Eve day. And literally, when we ended that conversation, I just prayed for Kristen. Thousands of miles away. And we're praying to the same God who loves us, who gave Jesus for us, who we have a hope in, and it's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, we're, we're going to be ready to start a new year, aren't we? Now, I want to come back because, see, you guys didn't renew, and you say, oh, you didn't give us time to come back to this, buddy. Okay. Do you remember what I was going to ask you to, t- to ask me when we were back in First uh, Peter? Inheritance. There you go. You guys remembered well. The inheritance. And if there's one reserved for me, it's got my name on it. What if I don't get there? Well, first of all, I want to be sure to say that the only way that you'd have your name on it is if you trusted Christ as Savior. And God, in all of his foreknowledge, knows who those persons are. So it's been there. It has your name on it. I'm telling you, you're going to get there because let's keep reading. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I've got to get back. 1 Peter chapter 1. 
And let's start now again, chapter 1, verse 3. There's a lot of stuff we've already brought together, but we'll keep going now because I want you to see something on, again, your hope it's based in, not your power. Blessed be the God and Father, verse 3, chapter 1, 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And you say, oh, I can't wait, but what if I watch verse 5? Who, that's you, are kept, how? By the power of yourself? No, you are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The very essence, the power of God is what's going to take you to fulfill your inheritance. That hope that you have in the future is based not only on a lot of things that we've discussed, it's also based in the power of God that holds you there. It's not requi- you're, you're not required because you're not strong enough. It's in the power of God where your security is. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Those, two, th- those three verses there are incredibly rich, just incredibly rich. Now, couple that with, let's go back to Colossians one more time, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I probably overloaded you. A lot of stuff going on. Is this not... A hope. This is what you need for 2020. Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. Watch. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. See, that very hope that you have within you, It is reserved in heaven. It's laid up in heaven. The treasures of heaven are there waiting for you. It's fixed. It's a fact. It's real. It's steadfast. It's sure. You guys look like I've totally overwhelmed you right now. Okay? There's a whole lot of soaking we're doing here, isn't it? This is powerful. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. Because I don't want to let up yet. Romans chapter 15. Oh, actually, you know what? There's one other thing. There's one other thing. One other thing. You know, and this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but how, do you, how, does, how does hope get stronger? How does, your lively, how does your lively hope get stronger? What is it that brings just a little more and a little more and a little more and a little more? Okay, by exercising. That's, that's a good answer. And how is it exercised? Romans chapter 5 is going to give us some insight into that. In fact, another guy that talked about it was that half-brother of Jesus who wrote the book of James. He said, account it all joy, brothers, when you fall into various trials and temptations, right? Let's watch how Romans, Paul using this, in Romans chapter 5, let's start in verse 1. Now, this is a fabulous passage of Scripture, but I want you to see how literally that hope is generated to a high level, literally through trials. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, oh my goodness, There it is. That's faith in action. Being justified, what is that? To be saved from the penalty of sin. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1, that is the capture of salvation in Jesus Christ. Right there. When you're justified, when you place your trust in Him, you have peace with God. That's perfect. Perfect. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith, what? Into this grace wherein we stand. Oh my goodness. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Uh, what? Glory in tribulations also. How many is the last time you said, praise God for that trial? Praise God for that tractor burning down. Praise God. 
stop, Larry, right? Knock it off. Well, let's keep going. But we glory in the tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience, what's the word? Hope. Whoa, did you see it? Literally, at the end of, that, of, that, of some of those traumatic events, guess what? You're more dependent, you're more trusting, you're more literally hopeful in the Lord because of what He's brought you through. I can say where I'm at from this point, previous to two years before, my hope is stronger now than it's ever been because I've seen what God is getting done. That's really cool. But let's keep going. And the hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, keep that in mind. Roll over to chapter 15 of Romans. Same book. Chapter 15 and verse 13. All there, still here, pages rustling. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Watch now. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, it fits together just like hand and glove. Oh, my goodness. Are you guys ready to go capture 2020 yet? All right, we got one, so we're going to keep working until I hear amens from everybody. We're going to stay right here, buddies. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> now, there's another uh, verse that I'd like to leave you with. I'm not sure which verse I'm going to leave you with. That's a little early for me to say that, isn't it? But let's turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8. It says this, But let us who are of the day be sober, again, that's diligent, focused, self-disciplined, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation which is culminated, this is me speaking now, the culmination of salvation is, is not when you accept Christ, it's when you're in the presence of himself, when you have your new body, when it's a completed deal, it's full, engaged, and there's nothing left. Watch, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That helmet, if you will, that protects us against Satan's arrows of doubt. He's always wanting you to doubt but our hope of salvation, that helmet, literally protects us from all of that. One more. Let's go to Romans, back to chapter 8. Chapter 8. <clears throat> and we'll start verse 28. Oh, no, we can't do that. We've got to go back further. We've got to go back further. Uh, verse 24. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, we see not, 
Then do we have, I'm sorry, then do we with patience wait for it. He's looking to the future. That's what hope is, trusting into the future. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. And, and those moments, Mindy may have some of those moments uh, as she's lost her husband in the last several days that she can't even pray. And right there, if you've trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit literally is praying for you when you can't do it. And I've had those moments. I've had those times. Praise God. And that built my hope. Now, I, want to, I, I just thought of something right now. Let's just hold our place right here. Did you see hope against hope? I want to show you another man. We're going to go back there. I'm going to set it up for a moment. We're finding it in Romans chapter 4, so we're in the same, in the same book. But have you, have you been in a situation where you just look and it is so impossible to even hope seems hopeless? Have you? Some of you. Let's go there for a moment. Watch this. Romans chapter 4. We'll be right back to chapter 8. Romans chapter 4, and we're going to plug in about verse uh, 16. I think this is right. Yeah, there we go. Romans chapter 4. Verse 16. The man we're talking about is Abraham. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Watch this, verse 18. Who against hope, believed in hope. <laughs> have you ever been there? <laughs> who in hope, i got to say it again. It's hard to even keep track of it. Let me say it again. Who against hope, believed in hope. <laughs> you ever been there? Sure you have. There's a lot of opportunities. There's, there's all kinds of, even in this last week. Oh, it's just overwhelming. I can't, but you know what? Abraham believed. Now, let's, just for a moment, what was Abraham's frame in all of this? And you all know the story well enough, don't you? How old was Abraham? And God had promised, I'm going to give you a son, and you're going to have descendants like the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky, which are supposed to be about the same. Can you imagine that? Did you ever think of it that way? They're really a thought to be about the same number. Now, how, much, how many grains of sand is there? Whoa. How many stars? It's about the same number right? That's crazy. And God is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build for you a nation and a people that is beyond your wildest imaginations. And Abraham says, awesome. That is so good. How old was Abraham when he first got that one? He was 75. Okay. That's a kind of a late start. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to be honest. If we, we had five children and if I would have got the first one at 75, I'm not 70 yet. And the first one at 75, God, I, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> Let's try something different. But that's okay. He believed God. He came away from that meeting. He said, I believe God. What is it, what's something that can snatch away and actually the doubt, that arrow of dart, I'm sorry, the arrow of doubt that can really take you down. You know what the hardest thing is for me? I believe when, you know, have you ever got, you've got a message from God and I'm not saying, just out of the word of God, you read it, that's it, I got it. What's the thing that dilutes that? What's the thing that really starts to take away time, waiting? How many of you enjoy waiting? It's a dead audience here, there's not many hands going up right now, right? 
Yeah, I love to wait. That's what I like to do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, 25 years go by. That's why it says he hoped against hope to hope. It made no sense anymore. Do you know what? I still believe God. I still believe God. And you know what? It's today the same for you. There might be something that is hopeless, but it's not based in you. It's not based in anyone else you know. It's not based in anything other than the fact that it's based in your lively hope is based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which happened. And that ain't going away. And that's why for the year 2020, I'm okay with my hope in the Lord. Now, I'm sure there'll be a day or two or a moment or two or a second or two that I might be whining just a little bit because you know what I'm not doing then? I'm not girding up the loins of my mind. I'm becoming attached to other things. And that's when Jesus would give me a call and I'd say, well, you know, maybe, let me get back to you on that. No, I don't ever want it to be that way. I said, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In fact, I think, let's go, to, let's go to Revelation. We might just close with this. John, that dear old Apostle John, living by himself on the Isle of Patmos, and God commissioned with him to write the book of Revelation. Most of all of that has not come to pass. You can start to see it come into focus more clearly all the time. And that's not the one. Okay. Where did he say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly? That's Jesus Christ's words. Um, I thought he had a second. Yeah, that's Jesus' words. I thought that John himself, I'm sorry, I should have done my homework. Um, let me try something else here. Verse 1. Okay, well, anyway, you're going to have to trust me, aren't you? That's bad. I'll find it next week. Yeah, Jesus is saying that again. But nonetheless, okay, I'll tell you what, I will find that. I will find that because he said it somewhere. But it's interesting that the last words that Jesus... No, can't find it. I'll get it. I apologize, but I'll get it. But, but, but think of this for a second. Here's John, who's on the Isle of Patmos, exiled there, and he writes the words that God gave him again. And he's closing in, and literally he's excited. You see it. The excitement of him going to see his Savior. His hope was placed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and your hope is based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you got nothing but good things ahead for you. There may be a trial here, a trial there, but nothing can stop you from ultimately culminating your full package of salvation, that lively hope that Peter spoke of. Nothing. Because why? Why? Because the power of God keeps your inheritance reserved for you. And he's going to make sure you get together. Because it's not about you. It's about him. What is it? Oh, there it is. You're exact. There it was. Again, right under my nose. Don't you hate that? When you go there and you can't even see it. Have you ever done that? It's like me going in the shop looking for a wrench. It's been there all the time. 
Okay, Let, let's try me, try me one more time. Go back to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, and it says, I was looking at Jesus' words. I have a red letter edition here. He says, He which testifieth these things saith, Jesus' words, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And then look what John says. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That's his words. He says, even so come, Lord Jesus. He's ready. I want the phone call. You know what? I'm ready for the phone call. I'm ready. I want to go. I'm ready because of the hope that's placed within me. All right. Questions or comments? You guys ready for 2020 yet? This was supposed to get you fired up, right? No matter where your life takes you, no matter where God takes you. And you know what? It's hard to say. In this room right here, maybe one of us will be called home this year. I don't know. Make sure your reservations are right. Make sure you check them out. Make sure that you have your hope in Jesus Christ. Make sure that your hope is a lively hope. But I'll tell you what, 2020 is going to be a fabulous year if our hope is in Jesus Christ. Because there isn't anything that can, can really keep us away from our inheritance, which is reserved for you in heaven. Whew. We went through a lot of scriptures today. Did you get worn out? All hands fly in the air, right? Yeah, there you go. See? There you go. All right. Let's pray. Father God, thanks for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the words of confidence, encouragement, and literally your commitment to us. Uh, Fathers, we read in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 6 that you cannot lie. That's so good to know. God cannot lie. Father, there's a lot of promises that you've made to those that have trusted you as Savior. Thank you for those that we've looked at today that our inheritance is in heaven with our name written on it. And our hope is based upon what Christ accomplished on Calvary's tree, paying for our sin as he was buried. And Father, you rose him from the dead, proving that it was satisfactory, was enough. And then to know that our hope is like an anchor, literally behind the veil, allowing us to be into the holy of holies with yourself, Father. It's unimaginable, really, quite honestly. But Jesus did all the work. The pictures in our minds, the analogies that you used are even more vivid than ever. Father, this group of people that are here today, I would ask that as a new year comes upon them, that you would protect them, first of all, their minds, Father, from the doubt that Satan, the enemy, always wants to throw in there. Father, that they would be bounced off because of the hope of our salvation, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. And Father, that you would also take them where you need them to be to accomplish the mission, the journey of which they're engaged. You have a unique journey for each one. There are people that will t- be talked to in their lives exclusively at just the right moments. And Father, as we even talked about earlier, that maybe one of those that have lost a family member this year, that when that person would come to mind, that we would write a card, pick up a phone, because you work through us. That's what I'm asking for you to do with this group of folks, that you'd use them in their everyday life. And Father, may we be not so destination-minded as enjoying the journey, the steps of which we find ourselves walking with you. And sometimes there are interruptions. There are times of which we need to stop and just enjoy, where you call us to a bit of a mission, something that's just a little bit out of the way, which we used to maybe see as a trial, but now it's an opportunity for others to see more of you. That's what life's about. May the year 2020 be even more revealing in that regard. Father, hold us. Thank you for the power that is revealed 
through the Holy Spirit who worketh within us. And Father, being kept by the power of yourself, as we've learned more about hope, it's precious. May we remember to remind ourselves of these things in the scriptures because it's there that we gain even more hope, even more trust as our faith grows. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. May we even discipline ourselves, Father, to work through the scriptures in this coming year, reading every day, immersing ourselves in your word. Thank you again for what you're accomplishing. We give you all praise, all worship, all honor and glory. For one day, we will be with you. A day we look forward to. Thank you for providing the way. And these things we ask in Christ's name.